This episode is brought to you by MPW Memberships. Did you know that all MPW members get access to monthly feedback on their tracks from an industry audio professional? This is the perfect resource if you're almost finished with your track and need that professional ear to help you with the final touches. This is a free feature for all MPW members. Take advantage of this awesome function and so many more using the link musicproductionforwomen.com slash membership. Uh, what am I saying? This is MPW, 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 the podcast with your host, Zylo Aria. Cool. A podcast about music production for the everyday musician, where we learn from experienced studio engineers and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the MPW podcast. I'm your host, Zylo Aria, and today we are talking to the amazing Whitney Asher. So Whitney is the CEO of The Marketing Mixtape, and she has worked with some amazing artists, including Jason Mraz, and also a number of different companies such as Capitol Records, iHeartRadio, Xbox, and so many more. So excited to have you with us today, Whitney. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so great. So what time is it there for you? So right now it is 3.46 on February 10th. What time is it there? So it's 7.46 for me in the morning. So for me, it's quite early. Um, So how's the start of the year been for you, Whitney? What's been happening? It has been really, really good. I, I actually gave myself a break in December. So it can be hard when you run your own company to actually let yourself have vacation. But I took two weeks off to kind of just breathe and do a lot of nothing. And that was really, really good for me. And uh, coming into the year, I set a new schedule for just how my days were going to look. And um, it's been a lot more balanced. All of that to say, it feels more balanced. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Oh, well done. Well Thank done. You. So I did a sort of similar exercise, but unlike you, I didn't actually stick to it. So oh, no. <laughs> um, well done for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> There's still time. There's always time. I know. I know. Yeah. No, I need to, I need to actually find it, find a little bit of a better schedule, but, uh, but uh, that's all good. That's all good. So usually we start our episodes by learning a bit about our guest and a bit about your background and how you got to doing what you do. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, we've spoken about this before and, and you know, running your business, it's not uh, an easy thing. So I'd love to hear a bit more about your journey into how you ended up starting um, the Marketing Mistape. Yeah, so it was not linear, as most <laughs> things are not. Went to school for communications. So I did my undergrad. I actually changed my major five times. I had no idea what I wanted to be, which as an entrepreneur is like in hindsight, all of those things were, were useful. So I studied education. I studied art. I studied journalism. And then I landed on uh, communications because it was just kind of broad. And I found my passion for marketing while I was a student, I worked on this project on Disney, 
as a brand and just fell in love with branding and advertising, which inspired me to go to graduate school for it. So I got a master's degree in advertising strategy and business. So that is kind of my formal background. And Mm. in the same way I kind of hopped majors, I hopped internships and jobs too. So I kind of treated school like this learning phase of what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. A lot of things I didn't want to do. But the the thing that I learned was anytime I was doing music, I was so fulfilled and that just continued to be a trend, whether it was a school project or an internship or a job. Um, Anytime there was music, it was just like game over. And in that period of time, during the summer, during graduate school, everybody had to get an internship and I had a a heart to heart uh, moment just kind of with myself of whether I wanted to go an ad agency route or kind of client side. So usually it's like agency side or client side. And if you're client side, you can pick your company. And so I picked uh, Capital Records, knowing that if I got the internship, I would get to work on music brands only and highly recognized brands. So to me, that was just a really cool opportunity. I I wasn't sure about the agency world because in agencies, you don't always know what you're going to work on. So having gone client side, I did get the internship. That took me to Nashville. And I think I loved it more than I thought I would love it. I didn't want to finish grad school because I just wanted to move to Nashville and do music all the time. I was surrounded by people who do music all the time. And I felt like I had just found my niche. It was like I, I felt just a deep sense of belonging, and I never wanted to leave Nashville. But I did, and everything led me back to finish my master's degree. And when I came back, I started coaching bands organically. So people started sending their friends to me after I lived in Nashville. What I learned is that a lot of bands are not signed. And the ones who are not signed don't always know what they need to do when it comes to marketing. And so I started to become somebody that bands were trusting for advice. And I was so fulfilled by it. And after about a year, that's when I started to realize, like, I think I was coaching five different bands and I realized I should probably start charging people for it because it was pretty consistent. I was always doing it. And so I realized I had case studies at that point of things that I had done. And I truly built the company kind of one part at a time just based on what artists were asking for and things that I felt like I could actually do for them. So it was, I don't know, it 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 just kind of happened. It was never exactly, that wasn't exactly what I planned, but it's, it's just been the best. <laughs> I love it a lot. Oh, I love that. I love that. And, you know, I've heard a few people talk about Nashville in a similar way to what you said about it. And I'm, I would love to go there. It just oh, sounds yeah. like the best place for for music. (laughs) It's so great. It's, I think it's the culture. I've thought about it for a while. The culture of Nashville is just so creative and so entrepreneurial and so friendly. It's such a, I think compared to a lot of music cities, it's, it's really friendly. People want to help each other. So. I love that. I like it a lot. so nice. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so good. And yeah. And I'm sure you hear from, you know, people that, running your own business, probably 
gutsy and, and, you know, it takes courage and all this stuff, but it sounds so organic the way it started for you. And you probably didn't even realize any of that side of it. No, it was just like (laughs) one thing at a time. It was never, I think because it wasn't the plan, it took a lot of the pressure off of building a company. So I, I had a full-time job for two years um, that was not the marketing mixtape. And I was doing this on the side, but not really talking about it. And I took the company full-time in 2018. So I've been around for about six years, but I've been full-time for three. Oh, that's amazing. That is really, really great. So yeah, thank you for sharing that background with us. It's it's always nice to, nice to hear how people's journeys worked and, and, you know, so far pretty much none of them have been linear. So that's, (laughs) it's sort of a trend, which is great. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, you know, you work with, or you have worked with a few, uh, you know, really high profile artists and you have looked after their marketing and their, their PR campaign and everything. Is it something that you really think that artists can manage to do for themselves? Or do you think you, you have to kind of hire someone? Ooh, such a good question. I think there are different seasons for every artist and different phases of the journey. Um, yeah. I often like to look at, I don't know, there, there are a lot of different variables when you decide whether DIY or not DIY is right for you or hiring it out. I think one of the biggest factors to me when I'm helping an artist figure out how they want to approach it is resources. So do you have time? Do you have money? And or, uh, I don't know, what's the most efficient, effective way to accomplish the thing that you're trying to accomplish? In a lot of cases, if an artist isn't making a whole lot of money from their music, I feel very defensive for artists not spending more money than they have to to get the highest quality possible as they're building a foundation. I think part of that comes from starting a business by myself without any startup capital. So I think some of that affects why I feel defensive. I know things can cost a lot of money, but having done it by myself, having started a, a business that was able to generate revenue on my own, I firmly believe that it can be done if an artist is resourceful. So for that reason, I'm really passionate about education. I think it is all very DIYable. I firmly believe that. I think in a lot of cases, it seems complicated in the same way that I, I might say that production can seem really complicated. And it is complicated, but it's also not beyond reach. It's something that artists can do if they just know how. So I think in a similar way, it motivates me even more to show them how and to help provide them with the tools that will empower them, especially up front when maybe they're not sure how far they want to take it or I don't know where they want to go if they're not sure. So can it be done DIY? Yes, (laughs) it can definitely be done DIY. (laughs) Totally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And yeah, I think what you said, how you started your business was very much one step at a time. And I feel like you can almost apply that to anything, you know, even with DIY or or learning to produce or whatever it is, if you wanted to do your marketing yourself, when you don't know where to start, it can be just such a huge, overwhelming thing. But then if you try and break it down into chunks and, and do like, a little bit at a time. And of course, if you have the right person showing you, uh, someone that's 
got you know a lot of experience in that that's always a lot more uh, helpful than than and can be a lot of uh, saving time uh, than trying to work everything out yourself. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. I learned a lot from maybe trial by fire is what you could call it. Even <laughs> even with a background in education and marketing and business and all of those things, it's very hard to learn how to run a business, I think, until you actually try to do it. And it can do be it. hard. Yeah. I think <laughs> one of the principles that I learned about business in general is the notion of a small bet. So if I think sometimes we look at the dream or like the big goal, like I want to go on a world tour. And then we think, wow, like I'll just never get there. Like that's too, Mm. it's too big. It's overwhelming. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I just won't even try. Because if I'm not going to, if I can't do it, I just won't even try. And I think what I've come to find about business, including music business, just business in general, the notion of a small bet is taking like one small step towards that Mm. goal. And as you take the steps, the path often illuminates itself and you know what you're supposed to do next. It can also help you to affirm, like, if you even want to keep going. I think some artists start to take the steps and then they're like, actually, this isn't even what I want. Like, glad I figured that out. So I think that first step or that small bet, it's kind of like the the most, I don't know, DIYable, attainable, maybe bite size way to do it that can really help yeah. you. Just take, mm. you can only take one step at a time. It's, I don't know. <laughs> so that helps me to think yeah. about it that way. Uh, definitely, definitely. And we've spoken about this uh, on the podcast before with a few people. And it's funny how many people say that, that, you know, you might not know what your path is, but it's only until you start and even until you go a bit further down where you can see that each step, you know, looking back how you got there and how like one thing led to another, but it's really difficult when you haven't done anything and you haven't started at all to try and work out 10 steps ahead where you're going to be from now. Um, So yeah, so it's really, really nice just kind of affirming that from you as well. Um, so yeah, really cool. So on that, actually, you know, you were saying artists just don't know where to start. And I guess your recommendation from that is, is just to take a first step, but do you have any specific recommendations as far as marketing and PR goes, where should they start? You know, what, are there any specific resources or or what would you recommend? Yeah. Uh, couple things come to mind. So when it comes to like the very beginning, where do I even start? There are a couple of things. One phrase that I love to keep in mind and remind artists, I always say start with heart. So what are you writing about? What do your lyrics even say? What's inspiring you? Who are you? I think that's an important question, but just kind of doing like a, just a little bit of soul searching. Uh, who am I? What does my my name stand for? What are the lyrics of my song? Understanding yourself will help you understand who is going to care the most about it. The question for that is like, who cares? Um, your target market cares. The fans that uh, maybe you have now or the fans that don't know about you yet care. But if you know what you're offering, it will help you identify people who are looking or uh, people who will 
just feel deeply understood by your music and your brand. But understanding yourself is the first thing. So I always say start with heart and look at everything you do. Um, look at everything you've done. Look at everything you have. I've created a couple of different frameworks that I've found useful for dream chasing. So I feel like that could be a helpful thing to offer. And it is easy to remember. Mm-hmm. So to live the dream, you have to define the dream. And I think a lot of times we haven't done that yet. So we think we know what it is, but we haven't like written it down. Maybe because we're afraid that... Uh, I don't know. We're afraid of a lot of things. I think a lot of things keep us from dreaming. Mm. But whatever that might be, I always encourage artists to define the dream first. Don't hold back. Write it down, even if it feels crazy. Just putting pen to paper, I think, can really help you be honest with yourself about what you want. I think a lot of times artists are afraid to be uh, honest for fear of lots of things. Um, But defining the dream is the first thing. Our stands for relationships. So identifying the relationships that you need to get there. Maybe that's, you know, a marketing partner or a trusted friend. Maybe it's your, I don't know, like another artist who's who's done, done some of it before. Um, but identifying what relationships you need, super important. Uh, the E stands for example, find an example. The nerd word for this is Competitive analysis. I don't like that term. I don't like the (laughs) word competitive. I'm just not a fan of that. Um, I think finding an example uh, or a source of inspiration can be a really, really good way to live the dream. So I say find an example. um, Look for what it looks like. A is action. Uh, Figure out what action you need to take. Sometimes that action is just like get coffee with such and such or like send a message to such and such and uh, maybe it's just like research I don't know but figure out what that next action step is and then I'm very missions minded so uh, the M stands for mission identify why you're even doing this what's motivating you why are you writing music if you can write down your personal mission and what inspires you nothing can keep you from doing that thing I think Mission can be more motivating than just about anything because if you know why you're doing it, it'll motivate you to do it even when it gets hard. So that's my acronym for dreaming. It's like a framework. I've used it to chase some dreams myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But always start by defining it and knowing what your mission is and the rest usually comes into focus over time. I love that. I love that. And it's such a nice way of you know goal setting of how we would traditionally do that but I think there's so much power in that really of even and you know I've done it sometimes of when there's a thing that you can't be what you can't see and I feel like that seeing it whether it's in real life in a role model or something or even just in your mind's eye of what you know where exactly do I want to be and get into as much detail uh about that as you can, then it just gives you so much more clarity because I think you're so right, especially in music, you can have these sort of ideas of where where you want to go, but not really specific goals or dreams or whatever we want to call it. So yeah, I think that's really powerful. Absolutely. Yes. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it feel more real, I think. Yes. Yes, for sure. For sure. And With this whole process, something that I feel I hear often uh, and I know I've thought often before as well is that 
you know, I don't have the time or the energy to focus on the marketing on top of all the other artistry that I do. And, you know, if you have a day job and you have, you know, family, all these other things going on, people might not know how to manage their time. Do you have any advice for them on that? Yeah. Uh, so a couple things. I think it's helped me a lot to treat creativity in the same way that I would treat a meeting for anything and showing up for myself, which can be really, really hard. Um, when you're the only one keeping yourself accountable, that can make it even harder because you can get away with not doing it. But I found that when I set specific time blocks aside, that helps me to show up for myself. So if I wanted to do a particular music promo activity, like I want to write a press release or I want to build my media list, I would basically put it on the calendar like I would any other meeting and I would show up for myself and do that thing. I think priorities, that is probably the biggest word I would offer. Priorities. If you can prioritize your promotions efforts, it'll help you feel like you're not wasting time when you do go to work on marketing. Marketing can feel very floaty and ambiguous and all-encompassing and all-consuming, but if you know what your goals are, if you've kind of defined your dream in general, but also your dream for a release, that those two things are different. I like to help artists work through the distinction. There's like your long-term dream and then there's like your dream for this release. If you know what your dream is for the release, and you know what your priorities are related to the dream for this release, it can help you not feel like you're wasting time and be more efficient with the time that you do set aside. So I think articulating priorities is like the first thing. And then blocking time out for said priorities. This is something I still have to do myself. As a musician and a marketer, it, it's every bit as hard, I think, to make time for the things we really, really want to do, but feel like we can't justify or whatever it may be. Mm. But yeah, the mission statement and the why statement is also like a huge motivator. I don't know. Like if an artist is like, yeah, I don't have time for music or nah, like it doesn't matter. Like, yes, it does though. <laughs> like it totally matters. Um, and if you, if you know why it matters to you, I think that can be really motivating. Yeah, 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 for sure. And we do hear about, you know, the why you do something is sometimes the most important thing. So yeah, maybe starting with that is a good idea and will give you the motivation to find the time around everything else that people are doing. So yeah, yeah, cool. When you're doing marketing, I guess as an artist, I feel like we're a bit unique in the sense that what we're selling is sort of ourselves as an artist. And that can be so difficult to actually uh, approach on how do you do that, you know, because when you have a product, I think being a little bit further away from it, you can be like, oh yeah, you know, these are the pros and this is what's good about it. But it's so hard to do that for yourself. Totally. Do you, do you have any, yeah, any, any words of advice on that? I do. Yes. So it can help. It is very hard to be objective when it comes to art and specifically songs that are deeply personal. Um, this is, I think, what sets the music industry apart in so many unique and beautiful ways. It is deeply personal. But the thing about releasing a song, so when you write a song, it's kind of about and for you in a lot of cases. It's deeply personal to you. It's maybe 
you know, a form of uh, working through that thing that you're writing about and it's about you. I think of a music release as just what it sounds like. It's it's a release. You're letting go and you're giving it to somebody else for it to help them. So if you can get to the heart of the song, uh, start with heart, but also like the heart of the song, there's going to be a universal truth in your song. Um, no matter what that song is about, there is something in there that will probably resonate with somebody on a deep level. And if you can identify what that thing is, maybe by way of asking the right questions, um, what inspired this song is a good question. What do you hope this song will help other people do? That's one of my favorite questions. If you can kind of step outside of what inspired the song into how you hope it affects people, Getting objective about the song gets a lot easier. When you're releasing a song, it can also help to talk about the song as like an objective thing. So my hope is that, you know, I wrote the song from this place and my hope is that it will help you blank. It'll help you heal. It'll help you live your life unapologetically. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever the song's about, I think if you can make it about your fan base, it doesn't have to be as much about you as you think it does. It really is about the music that you're creating, and that's a shared experience. So I think the artists that do a really good job making it about their fans often find it easier to not feel like it's all about them because it's mm. it's a like it's a relationship. I think good marketing is a a relationship between the person who's creating something and the person who's enjoying the thing that they've created. So objective trying to be objective helps. And I think looking for the the universal truth is like everything, whatever that thing is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Well, I mean, two things there really stuck out to me, which was one, you kind of saying that a music release is exactly that, like a release, like letting that go. That was, yeah, it just kind of struck a chord with me because that's such a tough thing as an artist to like finally let it go because mm -hmm. you're always, you know, tweaking and second guessing and uh, yeah, just all of that. So that was beautiful, I think. <laughs> And the second thing I I was thinking uh, that really stood out to me was that good marketing is a relationship and just a relationship between, in this case, the artist and the consumer of that music. And I think approaching marketing in that way just maybe makes it feel a bit more real and a bit more comprehensible rather than just, yeah, you know, finding you know, the next blog to feature it or something. Yeah. But it, the whole point is to to make that a connection. Yes. So I thought that was really nice. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a two-way relationship. So that takes a lot of the pressure off, I think. And I guess in today's day, uh, social media has become such a big part of the whole marketing campaign. And sometimes people find that really overwhelming. And also, you know, there's seems to be sort of new platforms popping up and then you feel this almost pressure to be on every single thing and then obviously the content for everything is a little bit different as well. What would you recommend on that front? Yeah, uh, I always, a couple thoughts, hopefully easy to help sift through it. The first thing is to think about your bandwidth. So if this is not your full-time gig at this point, you have to be honest with yourself about what you can realistically do without feeling overwhelmed. I don't know about you, but for me, being on like more than 
three platforms feels like a lot for one specific brand. So I would definitely try to stay social maybe on three, unless you're somebody who can handle that. I'm not, but I think being honest with yourself about what you can handle is the first thing. So bandwidth is the first recommendation. I think the second thing is to pay attention to what feels natural for you. So if there's a new platform and it doesn't really like suit your personality, it's going to be really hard for you to show up and consistently generate content on that platform. So being honest with yourself about that is important too, because what ends up happening, and I've seen this a lot, is an artist will start adding social media accounts to keep up with all of the trends, not fully acknowledging or maybe accepting that they don't actually use that one or don't even like actually Mm. like that one. So they end up having dormant accounts and having like a dormant account, I think is almost worse than not having it at all. I would rather see an artist have like one or two really, really active, engaged accounts than see an artist have like 10 inactive accounts just because they were checking the box of what they thought they needed. So bandwidth is the first thing. I think looking at your own actual behavior, like being honest with yourself is really important. And if there's a new one and you haven't like tried it out yet and you're not really sure what you think, uh, test it out before you get one (laughs) because you might not even like it. Mm. I know TikTok is a big one. The the two ones that I'm hearing about the most right now, I think are TikTok and Twitch. Um, People are testing those out. They're looking for new ways to engage. I think testing those things out is always a good first step. So if you don't have an account, see what it feels like for you to engage as a fan first before engaging your fans there. And then the third thing I always say is fix it or nix it. So if you have perhaps a dormant Twitter account, which is very common, by the way, a dormant Twitter account, you're not updating it, you haven't updated it since like 2017, to that I say fix it or nix it because it looks almost worse to have a dormant one that's like not active at all than it does to not have it. So I don't know. That's usually how I advise. But pay attention to your own behavior and what you actually like to use. Yeah, I think that's good advice because, yeah, everything takes time and takes a bit of planning and and you can't spread yourself completely too thin. So, yep, yep, that's a good one. And uh, coming to releases now, I think this is something that sometimes people don't realise how much work can be involved in in putting out a release although obviously it's it's up to an artist and if they just they just want to get it out there and that that's what they want to do then that's fine but if if you actually want to aim to get some sort of traction and you're you're planning your release how much sort of time would you recommend for that and are there any sort of really high level steps that you would kind of take in that release time or split it up into? Definitely, yes. So I would normally recommend at least six weeks before the release date, Um, minimum of six weeks. Give yourself some space for planning, uh, even just planning your time. When are you going to work on this in light of your priorities and your how you define success and what the dream is for the release? I think in light of all those things, blocking out the time that you're going to need, minimum of six weeks, maybe minimum of six to eight weeks, depending on how much time you really have to work on it. I usually try to help artists separate it into two phases. So there's the branding planning phase of getting together all of the content that you're going to need. The song is 
non-negotiable. The song has to be done. Mm -hmm. You'd be amazed by how often songs are not quite done within like a two-week release time. That's a little scary to me, but make sure the song is done. And if you're doing a music video, make sure that the music video has adequate time to be done so that you can start to promote it and reach out. But let's say two months for the sake of ease. Two months. First month, focus on your branding and your content. Video, music, photos. So anything that you're going to need for content. Second month, that's when I'm starting to think about promotions. So I'm thinking about social media campaign content, how we're getting people excited about it. And you also want to leave enough time. If you do pursue something like a PR campaign and you want to get press features, you want to leave journalists at least three to four weeks after they say yes to you, between when you pitch them and when they feature you. That's usually just a general best practice. So if they have a lot in the queue, they're not saying no because of timing. It just increases the likelihood that they'll say yes. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Uh, two phases. I would think branding first and then promotions. We never want to promote something that doesn't look and feel the way we want it to. So we always start with the branding. Cool. And you often hear when you think about a release campaign that you need a certain number of assets or something like that. What would you, is there like a a thing that you recommend of like a release you should have like, you know, three images and two videos or something like that? That's a great question. Uh, It comes back to resources. So like, what are your resources? Uh, Time, money, and energy. Like that's fundamental looking at that. But if just kind of standardizing it, if I had to say these are good to have, I would always try to do a photo shoot or pull from photos that you have done through a photo shoot. I always say highest quality possible. So if you have photo content that's related to what you're releasing, it's going to make social media content posting all of those things a lot easier because you're drawing from a pool of content. So the more content, the better, as long as it's related. You want it to relate to the thing that you're releasing. Um, So I think photo content's good. It can be original photos. It can be stock photos as long as it doesn't look super cheesy, but you can use like (laughs) patterns and stuff like that. Patterns are like a great way to have content coming if you maybe don't have enough of a photo shoot content to sustain you. But uh, original photos or royalty-free photos that you can use would be the first thing. One press photo is always good. Uh, Just like one really high quality photo so that if you are pursuing press, you have something to send journalists who say, hey, can you send a high quality press photo, which they will usually say. So you want that. Mm. Uh, You want to know what that photo is. You can pull from photos that you already have. So I always, Mm. in the spirit of resourceful marketing, just assess your, your resources and what you've already got. Album artwork is very important because you'll need it to distribute your song. So uh, picking a theme that's, again, related to the release, but album artwork's another thing. If you're doing a PR campaign, I recommend having a press release. So that's a good idea, uh, among other things, but that's one asset that I would definitely suggest. Social media, I like to do simple planning guides with artists because if it gets too complicated, I think they get stressed. So we do really, Mm. really simple planning guides of just knowing what we're posting when we're posting it, tying it back to the theme of the song. But I think some sort of social media plan for content and knowing what content you need, a photo pool, the song itself. I didn't mention that. Obviously you need the song itself. And then I, I do recommend video content 
to whatever extent you can do video content, I highly recommend it. Video content brings your song to life. So in all the ways that you can experience music through audio, when you have a visual component, you can really create an experience for people who, I think on social media, it's inherently visual. We want to see it. We want to see what you look like when you're singing it, or we want to see like, we want to feel what you felt when you were writing it, and a good story can help you experience it in any way. So music video content is like great to have, and Mm -hmm. you can do that in the form of a lyric video, a live Mm -hmm. performance video, and or like a story video. Those are the the ones that are really fun because those can be as simple or as crazy as you want them to be. Mm. But it just takes everything, I don't know, it, it just elevates your ability to connect with people. So I strongly recommend videos. Um, they also perform the best on social media organically. So even without paying for ads or boosting it or whatever it might be, it's going to show up higher in the feed. In the, yeah, algorithms are no joke. So if you're trying to beat the algorithms, video content, like video content's great. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And on that, you know, do you have, and obviously this is going to be quite a personal thing Mm -hmm. uh, amongst people, but do you have like a recommended budget of what people should set aside for release time? Because often people forget about that and yes. all the budgets in the song creation. Yeah, uh, we we hear that a lot. A lot of times, artists weren't they weren't aware that they needed anything. I know the average estimated amount set aside. It's usually about. 500 US dollars. 500 USD. About $500 okay, yeah. is is about the average. It really depends on the song though. So mm. I think the biggest thing I would say is think about the song that you want to invest the most in and mm. budget accordingly because you might feel more excited or more invested in a particular story that you're telling than you do of another one. So I would maybe ask yourself what you're comfortable spending and then put the majority of your budget into the song that you believe in the most. But yeah, five five hundred is about average for all of the all of the pieces. Okay, okay, yep, that's good to know, and also not horrendously out of sight. I no, think, with, with five hundred, that's that's okay. You can kind of put something aside and keep that in mind uh, as you're as you're creating your music. So okay, cool. So rounding that out, if someone wanted to learn more, and particularly from you. Where would they go to do that? So our website is themarketingmixtape.com. We hang out on social media quite a bit. Our favorite platform as a company is definitely Instagram. So that's where we're definitely the most active, at least right now. So Instagram's great. All of our handles are the same across all platforms. So it's The Marketing Mixtape on Instagram, themarketingmixtape.com. We do a lot of surveys and polls and things like that on Instagram. So that's definitely our favorite as a company. We're thinking about Twitch, but I don't look for us yet. (laughs) We're trying to figure it out. (laughs) I'm not sure. Cool, cool. Um, All right. Awesome. And, you know, for any listeners out there, I would highly recommend as Whitney uh, ran one of our courses and did an incredible job. So that was really, really eye-opening for me as well. So, uh, yeah, really good. So before we finish off, we have a couple of questions from our audience. So we have one from Diary and Diary asks, how do you create engaging content that gains traction? 
That is a wonderful question. I think fan engagement is one of the highest priorities for a lot of artists. Ultimately, we just want to connect with people. There are a couple of ways to do this. There are two things that I can offer that are things you can do right now. The first one would be to look at your insights. So see what you're doing that's working the best. That can really let you know what to keep doing. I always say the best strategy is the one that works. So look at the data, look at your Instagram insights, look at your Facebook insights, see what posts are performing the highest, and that can show you what to do more of. I think testing new content types is always a good idea. And if you're not sure what to test or how to get creative, I briefly mentioned competitive analysis. I call it inspiration analysis. I would think of (laughs) three to five accounts that are similar genres to you or just other musicians that you really admire and see what they're posting about and how people are engaging. Um, I like to think about it as a test and learn approach, not pass or fail. Uh, Everything you do will teach you something about what to keep doing or maybe what not to do anymore. So look at your data, see what's going well, and then... Even if you don't have any data yet, look at uh, artists that inspire you and see what they're doing well and test it out in your own way. Always make sure it comes back to your brand and that you make it personal to you and uh, that'll help set you apart so that you're not just replicating other people and all of that. So take what they're doing, but do it your way and just see what happens. Thank you. And we have one last question from unruly muser so they asked how do I build my target audience I love this question it's (laughs) such a good question so in graduate school this is where I fell in love with audience insight research it's so fascinating there is kind of a psychology component to how people make decisions and why they do things that they do or why they buy certain things. But the way to understand your audience and to create a target market is going to be to do market research. And it's not as boring as it sounds, I promise. So if you want to do secondary market research, uh, secondary is going to be like stuff that's already out there. So you don't have to like write your own survey necessarily. You can find out a lot by reading Reddit threads. about your audience. Hmm. So maybe if you're like a pop artist, um, you can go into places like Reddit or forums, just different forums. There are forums and groups for pretty much everything. Uh, But try to identify fan base groups in your genre or related to artists that are similar to you and see what they're talking about. What are the trends? What makes them tick? What are you seeing repeatedly that maybe surprises you? If you can understand your audience, you can reach your audience better. So Reddit's a great source of unfiltered audience insight. Uh, Facebook groups are a great source of unfiltered audience insight. You can find a Facebook group for everything. So if you're a pop artist, put in I don't know, pop music lovers and see what you see, (laughs) see what they're talking about, see what they're doing, researching them, super helpful. So that'll give you some secondary research. You can always ask who maybe you consider your super fans. If you have some super fans, maybe get to know them. There's something very powerful about asking the right questions and getting to know the people that are just crazy about something. Inspiration analysis. If you read read uh, comments on artists that you are inspired by, read comments on their Instagram posts. I find that to be a great source of insight. Mm. So if you're trying to build a target persona, I'll usually take 
the most common themes that I'm seeing, maybe assess the age, gender, location, motivations, passions, all of those things related to what you're finding as you do this research. And you can start to build out like a profile of a fictitious character. So perfect example, uh, I created a target persona for an artist called Moody Megan. And the artist has a lot of really sad songs, sad pop songs. And so we built out this fictitious character named Moody Megan, teenagers, all black, kind of gothic style, um, looking for music to help them feel understood, doesn't listen to their parents, all of these things. And as you start to paint this picture of a fictitious character, as you're making content, uh, whether it's for marketing or social media, day-to-day type stuff, if you feel like you can visualize who you're talking to, it makes the content a lot more fun. So... Research is the key. And then, yeah, just these fictitious characters, you can give them a picture. That makes it fun, too. Give them a fun, kitschy name. (laughs) Yeah, it helps. Uh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, thank you so much, Whitney. That's been so great having you on here and getting your thoughts on so many of these questions, which I think so many artists deal with uh, quite often. So um, thank you for that. Thank you for having me. This is, it's so fun to talk about this stuff. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what else do you have on for the day? I, in the spirit of balance, I am going for a walk. Um, So I'm about to go for a long walk. Uh, That's been a big quarantine hobby of mine. And then I am celebrating, uh, helping a friend celebrate she's about to have a baby. So I guess we're doing a a small gathering. (laughs) It's not a big gathering, um, but a small gathering to celebrate that. Oh, lovely. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Bit of balance, which is very, very important. So that's great. I will let you get to your walk, Whitney. So thank you again and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you.